From the depths of imagination comes a short story collection unlike anything seen before, Aberrant Tales. Aberrant Tales takes the very best in modern science fiction, fantasy and horror and blends it into one unique, creatively satisfying package. With Aberrant Tales, no two stories are the same and you'll never guess what type of tale awaits you next. From futuristic sci-fi to dark fantasy adventures, Aberrant Tales dares to tell original, imaginative stories that you can't read anywhere else. Aberrant Tales is available in ebook, hardcover, and paperback versions. Online and everywhere books are sold. Published by Aberrant Literature. A Man of the Mountain. Written by Ashton McCauley. Narrated by Lee James. Performances by Lee James and Sarah Ruth Thomas. Additional character voices by Iggy Kidd. Published by Aberrant Literature. Chapter 17 The End Shirley watched from concealment, mouth the gape as the man in the suit advanced for the killing blow. She was no more than 15 feet away and directly behind him. Carefully, she thumbed back the hammer on her revolver and took aim. The barrel was pointed square at the man's back. Even if the bullet couldn't get through what she now suspected was his armour, it was going to hurt. A real Sasquatch would have the decency to get on with Just it. as she curled her finger around the trigger, a sound broke her concentration. From the thicket to her right, there came a sound of heavy footfalls shaking the ground beneath her. She barely had time to gasp as a creature far larger than the man standing above Nick charged from the bushes and roared a horrifying, chilling sound. It didn't take much guesswork for Shirley to understand that this was the real deal. And somehow, their situation had just gone from bad to worse. The Sasquatch picked up the imposter like a ragdoll and squeezed the man in its fist. The sheer terror Shirley felt reduced her thoughts to repetitive curse words. Nick still lay on the ground, bleeding badly, but regarding the murderous creature next to him with almost wonderment. His limbs moved slowly, trying to push himself away, but he was not making much progress. Without further thought, Shirley moved out of concealment, hoping the creature would remain distracted long enough for them to escape. She tried to run as quietly as possible, but in her fright, each step might as well have been cannon fire. It did not matter. For the moment, the creature was still distracted, squeezing the life out of the man in his hand. Shirley kept her revolver trained on it, right up until the moment she got to Nick. Look, Shirley. He slurred, eyes half closed. That's the real thing. At that moment, the Sasquatch flung its prey into a nearby tree with a mighty crack. It lumbered over to the spot where the body fell, as if to confirm the imposter was dead. We need to leave. Now. Nick's eyes were glazed over and his head lolled back like a man on the verge of sleep. Can you believe it? I really thought it was just a man in a suit. Shirley looked down at his wound and gagged. He was losing a lot of blood and unless she could slow it down, he was going to die. Moving as quickly as she could, she cut away the tattered shreds of Nick's coat arm and wrapped them around it. It wasn't a tourniquet by any stretch of the imagination but precision could wait for a less desperate time. She put an arm under Nick and tried to hoist him. 
I would have packed differently. Nick gestured limply to his pistol that had been tossed in the snow. I don't think that's going to do anything but piss it off. He trailed off, going silent. Shirley continued to strain, trying to support his weight and get them to some form of concealment. Shirley? She pushed forward. Shirley? Feeling the burning in her legs. Shirley? Yes, Nick? And then stopped, noticing the silence. Moist air blew across the back of her neck, and she could hear the heavy panting of the beast standing behind her. Very slowly, she turned around to see the massive beast staring down at them through sunken eyes. The creature let out a low, harsh growl. Nick, this is kind of your area of expertise. What do we do now? Nick held out his fingers as if counting them. Well, if my calculations are correct, we should never have been this close. The beast made a fist with one hand and beat it against his chest. Easy now, tried Shirley, sticking a hand out in front of her. It's not a horse, Shirley. You don't want to hurt. The creature lumbered over, scooping up Nick and let out another mighty roar. Nick's eyes bulged with effort and terror. He tried to scream, but managed only a muted gasp as the air was squeezed out of him. Shirley watched in terror and did the only thing she could. Picking the revolver out of the snow, she brushed it off, took quick aim at the creature's massive arm, and fired. The shot rang out like thunder, and the beast snarled as the slug hit. Shirley was pulling the trigger to fire again when the creature swatted her, knocking her onto her back and sending the gun flying. No longer interested in Nick, the Sasquatch dropped him in the snow and advanced on Shirley. She tried to move her arms and legs, but the blow had knocked the wind out of her. In a daze, she looked up at the massive ape and wondered how it had remained hidden for all these years. The creature raised its fist into the air, preparing to smash her body into a bloody pulp. Shirley stared straight at it, wishing she believed in an afterlife where she could see Lindsay again. Get on with it! Somehow, being faced with the real thing was less terrifying. Just as the beast was about to bring its mighty hands down, there was a loud boom in the distance, followed by the rumble of thunder. The creature hesitated, cocking its head to the side. For a moment, it did nothing, just listening as the thunder continued. Thunder doesn't last this long. The creature took a final look at her, as if weighing the options, and then ran off into the forest, shaking the ground with each footfall. The thunder continued. Shirley pushed herself to a sitting position and saw Nick, miraculously still alive, doing the same. She crawled over to him, ignoring the exhaustion and great soreness in her limbs. Nick, we need to get moving. Now! I think I'm fine right here. Do you fancy a drink? He pulled out a flask. The rumbling thunder continued and grew louder. Shirley looked up at the mountain, knowing exactly what was coming. Using all her will, she stood and tried to get Nick to do the same. Despite the urgency, 
Her movements were sluggish, as if she were moving in a dream. That's an avalanche, Nick. Oh, goody. Shirley began to hobble quicker, trying to get to the highest ground she could. But it was too late. The rumbling continued to grow. Soon, she could see it. A wall of white crashing down the mountain. It wasn't huge by any measure, but any avalanche was hard to outrun. Nick! She stammered, trying desperately to drag him to the side. Nick's head lolled towards the oncoming avalanche, and fear filled his eyes once more. Nick! When it hits, hold on to me and take a deep breath! Nick wrapped his arms around her obediently. Any other tips? Yeah. When you wake up, try spitting to know which way is up. When Shirley awoke, she was in a hospital bed. As she tilted her head to get a better look around, she felt an incredible soreness in her neck. What the hell happened to me? The last thing Shirley remembered was the ground shaking beneath her and a horrible roar. Her thoughts were interrupted as a man burst into her room, wearing nothing but a hospital gown and a look of bewilderment. He looked around wildly, searching for something, and his eyes landed on her. Shirley, I don't have time to explain. I'm sure you're in a lot of pain, but we need to get out of here right now. The figure swam into focus and she recognised him. Nick? She asked, feeling a dryness of her throat. How long? Huh, eight hours, give or take. He was practically panting with each word and paced the room nervously as he spoke. I guess rescue was on the way and found your avalanche beacon. He glanced out the door and into the hallway. Shit! We don't have a lot of time. Nick pulled the knife from beneath his hospital robes and hurried to Shirley's bedside. Her first concern was not the fact he was wielding a weapon, but more of a question as to where he had been keeping it. In the end, she was helpless and weak. If he was going to stab her, fine. At least she'd get some rest. She closed her eyes and almost sank into a fuzzy sleep. The sound of leather being cut and loosening around her wrists brought her back to consciousness. Why would they strap me down? <laughs> like I said, no time. Nick removed the IV from her arm, tossed it to the ground, and looked her in the eyes. All right, when I take these off, he motioned to the vital monitors she was wearing. They're gonna trip an alarm and bring the nurses running. He did a quick check over his shoulder as if expecting someone to come through the door at any moment. We need to be out of here before they arrive. Wait, wait a minute. Her memory snapped into place suddenly, and the room took a painful clarity. We were in an avalanche. The, the Sasquatch was, was real. Nick rolled his eyes. <sighs> yes, of course it was. Now let's get moving. 
Once more, he checked over his shoulder. Sweat was beading down his neck. Why can't I stay here? Shouldn't the nurses check me out? Nick was growing impatient. We don't have much time, but suffice it to say, your beast of the mountain was funded by some high-up organisations that aren't happy the secret is out. He jerked a thumb towards the door. That explosion? (laughs) That was them trying to get rid of the evidence. Shirley's mind spun. After all these years, she had finally wound up in one of the tabloid stories George would write about. What a world. Still, it did seem far-fetched. What makes you think they're going to be coming here? Ugh, because I woke up tied down to a hospital bed too. And after I cut myself free, I noticed the suits in the hallway. Now if we could hurry the hell up, because they're going to notice my monitors are hooked up to the kind man who shared my room. Shirley stumbled out of bed, willing her slow limbs to work properly. How are we going to get out of here? The small room provided no safe exit. There was only the door Nick had come through. And a window. Oh, you're not going to like it. Absolutely not. Well, it's either that or see what the G-men had planned for you. Nick crossed the room towards the window and opened it. It wouldn't budge past the halfway mark. Frustrated, he stepped back and kicked it. The flimsy wooden frame shattered outward. He poked his head out and let out a sigh of relief. This is gonna hurt, but we'll live. He clambered out the window. See you on the other side. Shirley sat there, stunned, unsure of what to do. She looked at the door, but couldn't hear anything over the blaring alarm. Fuck it. She looked out and saw Nick climbing from a dumpster just below. A beat-up sedan pulled up next to him and a young man with messy brown hair stepped out. What the hell, Nick? He said, looking him up and down. Shut up, James. We gotta have company. Clear off the back seat. Nick looked up at the window. Oh, for the love of it, Shirley, just jump! He then began to berate James as he quickly tossed garbage out the passenger side door. Is all this a getaway vehicle? It's filthy! Have you seen your apartment? The whole scene was so odd that Shirley had forgotten about the immediate danger. She was halfway out the window when the door to her hospital room burst open and a woman in a black suit raced in, pistol drawn. We've got another runner! She shouted down the hall before turning her attention back to Shirley. Miss Codwell, think about this. Her voice was calm, but Shirley could see her finger inching towards the trigger. Shirley gaped for a second, gave the woman the finger, and rolled out the window into the dumpster. The fall was much shorter than she imagined, and the smell at the bottom was somehow worse. Recovering as fast as she could, Shirley scrambled over the trash bags and rolled out of the dumpster onto the pavement, right as the first shot ricocheted off the dumpster. Nick helped her to her feet and pushed her into the back seat of the sedan. He ran around the front and jumped into the passenger seat. The driver extended a hand to Shirley. James Schaefer, nice Oh, for the love of God, James! Drive! The second bullet hit the car hood and James stepped on the gas. The tyres screeched and they pulled away. The back window shattered as another shot rang out. But before long, they were on the main road, headed out of Clearwater at a shocking pace. Where the hell are we going to go, Nick? And what the hell are we going to do about my car? 
First stop, safe house. We're going to leave Shirley with the order and let them sort it out. They've got ties with the sick side and might be able to work something out. Then you can drop me at the airport. I just bid on a job in Nepal and I don't want to be late. I'm sorry, what? Asked Shirley, bringing herself to a sitting position. As her wits came back to her, she couldn't help but feel a little pissed. I'm sorry, Shirley. I truly am. But you chased the monster and now you've got to deal with the consequences. Same as us. But what can I say? The monster hunting life takes all kinds. And with a little training, eh, you'll do just fine. Nick winked at her, pulled a full bottle of whiskey from the glove compartment and took a swig. Shirley thought about trying to protest and then remembered that she had just been shot at. Well, if it pays better than the local eye. (laughs) (laughs) I can assure you it doesn't. But if you live long enough, it'll be a hell of a lot more interesting. Nick Ventner and James Schaefer return in Whiteout by Ashton McCauley, available at Amazon and all good online bookstores. Shirley Codwell will return. This has been Man of the Mountain, written by Ashton McCauley, narrated by Lee James and featuring performances by Lee James and Sarah Ruth Thomas. Additional character voices by Iggy Kidd. Contact us through Twitter, Ashton McCauley at Real Mac Ashton. Aberrant Literature at Aberrant Lit. Lee James at Warcroft. Sarah Ruth Thomas at Sarah Ruth Voice. Iggy Kid at Iggy D Kid. Music and sound effects licensed under Creative Commons. Crypto. Hitman. Baba Yaga. Kevin McLeod. Incompitech.com. Walpen by Julian Callor. YouTube Julian Callor. This audio version of Man of the Mountain is published by Aberrant Literature. For more information on current and upcoming releases in both print and audio format, visit aberrantliterature.com. From the incomparable mind of Ashton McCauley comes a novel people are hailing as an instant classic, White Out, a Nick Fentner adventure. Nick Fentner has two defining characteristics. He is both a profound drunk and a damn good monster hunter. In Whiteout, Nick's skills are put to the test as he is tasked with searching the mountains of the Himalayas for the lost gates of Shangri-La. Unfortunately for Nick, his arch-nemesis Manchester also has his sights set on the gates and the hefty reward that goes with it. The two are pitted in a race to the top of the mountains, a race made all the more troublesome by a yeti that has been terrorizing the lands. Featuring death-defying action and a hilarious wit, Whiteout by Ashton McCauley is the next great adventure in American fiction. Find Whiteout today in ebook, hardcover, and paperback versions. Online and everywhere books are sold. Published by Aberrant Literature. And now, a sneak peek at the audio adaption of Whiteout. So you want to know about the Yeti? said Nick, savouring the look of surprise on the man's face. Indeed, answered Winston, the portly man sitting opposite him. Clearly he thought there was going to be some sort of conversational foreplay before they came to that topic. Nick had never been one for small talk, and in all the years since he had been back, the Yeti seemed to be the only thing that interested people anymore. It also garnered the unexpected perk of free drinks, which he didn't mind. And why exactly is that? 
Oh, the subject is fascinating. From the moment I first heard the rumors, I knew that I would have to get the real story, straight from the source. He leaned forward expectantly, causing the buttons of his freshly pressed shirt to strain from the size of his girth. Nick Fentner thought Winston looked more prepared to attend the opera than swap stories with a monster hunter. With his neatly trimmed moustache and patiently combed over white hair, Nick doubted that he had so much as encountered a gremlin, let alone anything of substance. Just what exactly do you want with a yeti anyway? There's nothing to be gained on that mountain apart from frostbite and blood. Nick's concentration was broken by the appearance of an austere butler carrying a tray with a cup of steaming tea. Winston thanked the man and took the cup. Thank you. Before Nick had time to ask for anything, the butler slipped away. Sprightly man, isn't he? Yes, quite. Winston sipped his tea. Don't suppose he does drinks? Nick raised his eyebrows hopefully. Oh, yes, of course he does. Silence fell as Nick waited for an offer that never came. He grimaced at the hideous odour wafting from Winston's tea. Smells like llama piss and probably costs more than he paid to find me. Winston watched Nick intently, like a toad hunting a juicy fly. Well then, will you tell me the story? It's a long and ugly one. Nick looked around for the butler, who remained absent. Yes, of course. So you'll tell it? Winston's eyes looked eager, like a child expecting to receive sweets. Are you a climber? Nick moved the subject away from the Yeti. I saw a few pieces of climbing gear on the way in. Well, I dabbled, but never anything to... You look like you have trouble climbing out of bed, much less anything that even closely resembles a mountain. I bet you've never even been above 15,000 feet outside of an airplane. Nick found himself staring at Winston's gut once more, wondering how long it would be before his shirt gave way like a bursting dam. The thought caused him to shudder. Winston continued to talk, despite the glazed look in Nick's eyes. But Kilimanjaro really isn't that difficult if you've got the proper guide. The conversation settled once more into awkward silence as the man waited for Nick to respond. Oh, yeah, and you must watch out for the hominids up there as well. Quite dangerous when they get into a pack. Nick allowed his mind to drift to the many decorations plastered on the walls. Every inch of the mansion they sat in agitated Nick in some way. The armchairs were too plush. Artifacts from different cultures were spread around the room in a fashion that had no discernible pattern. And above all, the man was lazy, circuitous and rich. Even the winding lane leading up to the ornate doors had been adorned with artifacts so culturally at odds with the place that Nick thought they were more apt to start a holy war than he considered tasteful. In a different time, Nick might have idolised his wealth, but recently he had been searching for more in life. Well, the hominids didn't really trouble us much. Nick grew frustrated with the lack of proffered drink and cut him off. Look, I don't have time for this. I was told that you were interested in hiring me, but if the Yeti story is all you want, then I'm out of here. Nick stood up from his chair and turned to go. There's just no room for respectable monster hunters anymore. They all just want the spectacle. I can pay you. Nick stopped in his tracks. Nick may not have wanted to be rich, but his pockets were a tad light, trending towards empty. 
and the pub around the corner was not cheap. He looked back at the man's face. A wave of familiarity struck him, but vanished just as quickly as it appeared. 5,000 for the story. Beginning to end. I won't publish it. I won't record it. I just want to hear it. The man sat back in his chair, hands folded across his lap. An expression of victory quickly spread across his smug face. 5,000 for a story. (laughs) You must be some kind of bored. Nick lowered himself back into the chair. I've heard the tale secondhand so many times that it seems foolish not to hear it from the man himself. I have complex interests, Mr. Ventner, and you have piqued them. Complex interests? Complex carbs, maybe. Your interests are provincial at best. The only real complexity Nick could see about the man was the series of bands that miraculously kept his clothes attached to his body. Uh, A little spectacle never hurt anyone. (sighs) He would have wanted it anyway. Fortune and glory, remember? Well, your money has piqued my interest. But there's one final condition. And what is that? I'm going to need that drink. Whiteout, part one. The glamorous life of a monster hunter. Chapter one. Werewolves don't howl. We should have brought matches. The thought rang through my head clear as a bell. Even after everything else had become a frozen blur, James sat beside me, panting on a rock. His boyish hair was slick with sweat and his parka was crusted with a fresh coat of frost. Correction, I should have brought matches and left the kid behind. I had never liked partners. More often than not, they just slowed me down or haunted me in between benders with memories of their death. Six months prior, I ran into an eager undergrad who had drunkenly sprouted off about cryptozoology. A few silver bullets and a modicum of training later, James Schaefer became my apprentice. (laughs) I was amazed that even after seeing the uglier side of the world, he managed to fight off a disposition of cynicism. Despite being half frozen in a blizzard and likely five minutes away from a horrible fate, James managed to keep a positive, albeit sarcastic, attitude. Hold on, hold on. Where were you? Winston inquired, taking a sip of his tea. Nick sighed quietly, swilling ice around the bottom of his empty glass, wondering when the butler would be by to bring refills. If you would wait a minute, I'll tell you. Winston's interruptions were beginning to irritate him. I've got plenty of other jobs that don't involve me rehashing painful emotional memories to old men in their parlours. This was untrue. Even after the encounter with the Yeti, very few letters had come through asking for help. While most people in the monster hunting community had heard tell of the story, they also chose not to believe it. Of course, I'm so very sorry. Winston's words came out false, but they were accompanied by the sudden reappearance of a fresh drink on the table next to Nick. Nick looked at the glass, astonished. How does he manage that? Let me guess, he used to be a ninja, got tired of the bloodshed and turned to butlery. Nick took a sip of the fresh glass at his side and nearly gagged on some of the worst whiskey he had ever tasted. All the money in the world and he still drinks this piss. Oh yes, he's quite good. Winston avoided the question, 
Nick must have made a sour face at the drink, because Winston waved his hands apologetically. My apologies for the drink. I like to start at the bottom and work my way up. <laughs> Tastes much better in tea. Nick laughed in spite of his suspicions about the butler. An efficient drinker, even amidst opulence. Now that I can respect. Winston raised his cup and drained it. One picks up a few tricks on their way to wealth. His cheeks flushed a bit with a fresh drink, and he even seemed a little friendlier. Now, I'm terribly sorry to have interrupted you. Please, continue. Winston's attitude had changed significantly, and it set Nick on edge. Fortunately, the feeling did not last long as the whiskey quickly made its way to his core, warming him on the inside. All traces of misgivings were temporarily erased from his mind, and his bloodstream demanded more of the deep brown alcohol. Yeah, where was I? He drained the highball glass and set it down on the table loudly, hoping the butler would hear. After seeing no sign of him, he continued. We had been tracking a werewolf through the mountain for days. Supposed to be a quick job. Silver bullet, bring back the head, in and out. Simple as that. But there was one big problem. The villagers lied to us. It wasn't even a damn werewolf. At midnight, the howling started. James and I had made camp in a small cave tucked into the side of a mountain. At that altitude, with the cold wind whipping through our bones, the world grew fuzzy around the edges. For the first few minutes, neither of us were sure we had actually heard howling at all. We simply sat by the glow of the flashlight, hoping that it wasn't the day we would be sent to meet the gods that our profession so strongly opposed. Is that it? James asked his teeth chattering from where he sat in the corner of the cave. Despite his best efforts to hide it, his body shivered violently and his lips had turned slightly blue, drying out around the edges. Should have brought matches. We could have burned our clothes, anything to stave off the damn cold. Matches were dead useful. They started fires, created distractions and lit my damn cigarettes. Unfortunately, I'd left them in a pile on the bed, with the rest of my accoutrements relating to my nasty habit, as one of my many ex-girlfriends called it. I was too damn busy pouting about the cigarettes to remember the life-saving matches that had been chucked out with them. Without the heat from a fire, thinking was impossible. The cold took up every ounce of my mental capacity, rendering my mind useless. Upon our departure, it had been a beautiful sunny day without a cloud in the sky. But the unfortunate thing about the mountains was that it only took a moment or two for things to turn sideways. What had been a distant glimmer of fog atop the mighty mountain turned into a full-blown blizzard in less than an hour. After a few moments of silent processing, a thought broke through the icy curtain around my mind. James's question had revealed the true nature of our predicament. Werewolves don't howl. Movies and TV might portray it otherwise, but in the wild, it never happens. Werewolves are apex predators and lone hunters. There's no need for them to communicate. They don't reproduce, they don't have families. They just hunt. When they want to create more werewolves, they go and bite another villager. It's almost elegant in its simplicity. 
Werewolves don't howl. The statement floated through the air lazily, allowing both James and I to get a better look at it. I glanced over at James, hunkered against the side of the cave wall, and cursed myself again for forgetting the matches. That's it. Double checking for matches from now on. Had it been the day trip I built for, it wouldn't have been a problem. But the client had flat out lied. And now things were getting dicey. You're not hunting a werewolf, are we? James mumbled from deep within his parka. I wished we were. Werewolves were so easy to track. Big feet, lots of fur, and a swath of blood laid out behind them. Not anymore, I said. Then came another ear-splitting howl. It was long and mournful, shaking the walls of the cave with its intensity. My already chilled blood dropped a full degree as the howl trailed off. The animals that could have made such a noise were few. I pulled out a leather-bound tome from my satchel, which bore the scratches and scrapes of every journey I'd ever been on. It had been written by the master that taught me the ways of monster hunting. I never left for a journey without it. It was mostly filled with crude drawings of various hell-bound creatures that the author had tried to seduce. He may have had a coke-addled mind, but he was a damn good hunter when it came down to it. I flipped through the pages, hoping that somewhere between poetry about the dismembered head of a wall and amateur comic strips detailing the mating habits of Romanian banshees, there would be some useful information. The sound came again, like a wolf, only longer, lower, and far louder. To be heard over the fury of a snowstorm was no easy feat. Even in the cave, we could hear the roaring of the wind outside, battering the mountain in nature's best attempt to bring it down. I continued to shuffle through the book until I happened upon the page I was looking for. Most people at the time thought that the upper slopes of the Himalayas were barren and uninhabited. Most people were wrong. <laughs>